and I'm your brother co-host Thomas Dixon. And since our last episode, we have seen each other. We have. It was nice. It was nice. I mean, the weather whatnot is accommodating, but uh, as far as staying indoors, going out to eat. Mm-hmm. When I say and when I say accommodating, I should say we are really in, I guess the the high heat of summer at this point. Oh yeah. I think uh, even more so than normal. There's some heat waves crossing the country that we're grappling with. Yeah, like it's pretty miserable. Yeah, so I I haven't I've barely been outside the last three days, just trying to keep my head down. I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was planning on heading over to Caleb's tonight, and we normally hang out on their back porch, so, I mean, we're lucky if it's, like, in the 70s at night mm-hmm. by the time we get out there. Yeah, we, we got to see each other. Y'all, you and uh, Brian came up to visit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to see as much of you because while y'all, y'all were up here, I was house-sitting for Caleb and them, uh, looking after their dog and cat while they were on a family vacation yep uh their dog toby he's a little terrier mix kind of looks like a boston but he's got like a scruffiness to him that suggests like uh shih tzu or something Mm-hmm. he's real cute i mean yeah, I haven't, he is i haven't met he's, him in person but he's real cute yeah he's very enthusiastic and it was unfortunate because my last night there he had some upset stomach oh no and uh yeah so I was up with him multiple times that night, and then apparently that persisted through the next night. Uh, but then last I spoke with him, he was feeling better, so I guess it might have just been stomach bug or maybe stress, something like that. Mm-hmm. So nothing nothing serious, happy to, happy to say. Yeah. And uh, saw y'all when I could. Mm-hmm. Came over, like, uh, for lunch or dinner uh we went out to the warehouse we tried going to the warehouse that uh outdoor food court in simpsonville yeah and it was crazy crowded yeah i guess it's just like that most summers uh summer evenings you know it's fairly well ventilated i imagine a nice comfortable dining option for most people Mm -hmm. i mean you're happy to see it doing a good business but yeah, like we pulled up and like, first of all, I mean, it just, like the whole place just looked like an anthill that had been kicked over. Oh, uh, boy. Like there were just so many people. And then like we tried, we attempted to find parking and then it was just like, you know what? We'll go somewhere else. Yeah. So we wound up going to a nice local Italian place. It was and, really uh, good. Yeah, it was. And then we went home and had a little uh, preemptive birthday party for our dad. His, mm-hmm. uh, his, ne- his birthday's uh, in a week or so, but I guess since we had y'all in town, we'd bled a Publix cake. Yep. It was good. Yep. When I got home, there was still, like, one slice wrapped in a little uh, bowl. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they got around to eating that yet, but you can't really let a birthday cake sit for more than a week. No. Yeah, late July's a big birthday season for our family. We've got, like, three members who all have it within a week of each other Mm-hmm. how's your summer schedule looking i know you go back at the end of july is this your so, last week yes so i this is my last week of summer vacation and i report back to work uh next monday i got my uh back to school email this morning okay i guess we're gonna have to start recording these on sundays again yep yep hope you're well rested i am I am well rested. I'm excited about starting back and starting the new school year. Honestly, like because you know I've talked about it a lot on on the show, but we, you know, my school district's on this like modified year-round calendar. And honest to goodness, I think the biggest adjustment, like the biggest negative adjustment for this schedule, is there is a much longer period of time between the first day of school and Labor Day. For years, teachers just got used to, oh, you know, I'll have to teach like two at the most three weeks and then you get Labor Day. Well, now you're having to teach five or six weeks and then you get Labor Day. Yeah. But it's worth it because you get a week off in October. 
That's true. That's good. You been doing anything, any non-reading lately? Let's see here. I've still, I've been watching, I've still been watching Law and Order SVU. I've slowed down a little bit because I just have. I had to take Violet to the vet today because yesterday when I, or she's like, I've noticed her like kind of chewing on her back toes on, on one of her, on one back foot. Yeah. And yesterday when I took her out, I was like, I was like, that doesn't look right. And when, for as long as she was, she allowed me to look at it. Like it looks pretty gnarly. Uh, it was really oh, gross. Yeah. So anyway, so I called the vet this morning at like nine o'clock, nine thirty, and they they were like, bring her in at twelve. So I brought her in, and uh, the vet was like, did she get something stuck in her foot? And I'm like, I don't know. Like that's why I brought her to you. Um, I didn't say that, but yeah, yeah. But the sentiment was there. Uh, and anyway, the the. The vet was just like, yeah, she's got some kind of like boil, like in between Oof. her toes. So they sent Ouch. us home with, they sent us home with antibiotics and steroids. Okay. Which is kind of what I figured they would do. Yeah, I got to see her when y'all visited because you brought her along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's enthusiastic as always. Oh yeah. Thursday, I have to go to traffic court. Uh oh. Cause. I don't know if I mentioned it on here, but like way back in June, I got a ticket. Uh, I got a traffic ticket in Con in like Conway, which is a town like an hour and a half away from here, and yeah. um, I have to go to traffic court Thursday to I guess hopefully get the ticket thrown out because the ticket was for an expired tag, which I have since taken care of. But like my ticket was like almost three hundred dollars. Woof. So I'm hoping that if I show up to court, like, I won't have to pay it since I've already yeah. taken care of the problem. That reminds me, I need to head into town sometime in the next couple of weeks and pay the taxes on my car. I usually like to wait till the last minute so I can get the full, like, mileage discount. Right. I mean, I don't expect it to be as, as big as last time since I uh, have been off work for the better part of a year. Right. So I'm not putting up the same mileage that I used to. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see. Okay. Went and saw the new, uh, what do you call him, Wes Anderson movie this past weekend. Oh, how was that? I enjoyed it. It was, it's a bit different from some of his other stuff. Uh, a bit more metatextual, I guess, in terms of, like, the story that's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Because, like, usually his films will have, like, framing devices where stories inhabit other stories and that's okay. usually the level on which you can engage with it but in this one it's like the story being told is happening within a reality wherein like the events of that reality inform the behaviors of the character inside the story being told mm -hmm. kind of like without giving anything away kind of like the level on which you're engaging with it so i think i'd probably need to see it again to have a better sense of it but i en i enjoyed seeing it it was my first time getting back out to the theater in a while so okay. and there's plenty of stuff coming out that i'm looking forward to the uh the new mission impossible just came out we've got mm -hmm. oppenheimer and barbie in a uh this friday yep still haven't seen uh, across the spider verse which i want to get to i think it's still holding up in theaters though I imagine most movies especially big movies usually don't last more than a couple months so probably won't be much longer that I can see that one right apart from that oh I uh, picked up a bunch of really nice albums from Horizon Records the other week Sweet. it's the this compilation series called Pacific Breeze mm -hmm. which uh, if you've ever heard of city pop it's this Japanese it's this genre of Japanese pop music sort of like incorporates elements of uh disco electronic like just conventional pop music and uh was sort of it in its heyday from the early 70s to the mid 80s mid to late 80s he, these compilations are like an assemblage of singles and deep cuts from various artists at that time and it's just been a lot of fun to listen to my only problem is that uh to listen to the CDs in my car, mm -hmm. my stereo is sort of conking out on me, so 
you'll have to deal with uh, skipping okay often would like to burn them to my computer so i can upload them to my ipod and listen to them more consistently that way but uh i don't have a disk drive for my new pc that i bought last year and i was looking online about how you can use a blu-ray player as a external disk drive mm -hmm. but i don't have any cables for hooking it up to my pc so in the next day or so gonna have to go out and try and find a usb cable to make that happen okay it's so weird how hard it is to find just a standard usb cable yeah like usb to usb because so much so often so many cables that we have nowadays are like usb to usb c or uh like just some other like bit of uh wonkiness yeah so yeah it's i'm working on it mm -hmm. yeah that's been my my time more or less okay you ready to talk books yep great how many books you read in the last couple weeks i read seven nice and none of them were priority of the orange i didn't read it right well i, I, I read i didn't open it you, you haven't started it like i haven't even cracked open the book yes, yes okay well i did correct. start priority of orange i haven't finished it but i also haven't finished any other books <laughs> i mean with the exception of like a few volumes of manga here and there but yeah. apart from that yeah i've just uh I've been working my way through reads the last couple of weeks, but not really hitting on any uh, completions. So, okay. yeah, we can talk about what you've read, but what I figured I'd be doing for this episode is just going through my currently reading stack on my oh, Goodreads okay. page. Yeah. yeah. And just give you a sense of what books I'm looking to finish in the near future. Okay. All right. Um, so, but I'll, I'll let you start. So I've read seven books. Four of them are from the same series, but it's not... I'll get there. Okay. So, the first book that I read, um, I was reading... I was in the middle of reading it in our last episode, and then I finished it. Um, it's called Every Moment With You, and it is a redeeming love novel, which I, it's, it's not exactly a quote-unquote series, but it's like a... It's not a series, but it is. Yeah, sure. You know. It, it, the, the novels are interconnected. They feature the same characters, but it's not like you have to read them in order. Right. Um, and it's by J.E. Parker. Basically, it's a romance, and it's about these two kids who they grew up as they met when they were like eight and seven. They grew up together. Um, they were best friends, and then they fell in love and like became a thing and got engaged before she went off to college. Like, her dad is the like fire chief there in town his dad also works for a fire department but not in that town in like the next county over and his dad is extremely physically abusive okay and so like that's just like that's important to the story because something this story does that i feel like not a ton of romance novels do is they really explore multiple relationships and not just the core relationship between the two, like the main characters like it's not just about the romance it's about um like his relationship with his dad her relationship with her dad and her grandma and then obviously their relationship with each other so anyway so like they get engaged like when she's 18 and getting ready to go off to college and he's 19 and he's like going through the fire academy and then his dad gets him caught up like because of some can't gambling debts he gets him caught up with like the russian mafia and then you find out that like they've been stalking her so he to protect her like makes this big show of like breaking up with her without like you know like he doesn't try to tell her like on the sly like hey we, we have to act this out because of x y and z well after that happened like there was no contact for like i don't know six years or something and then mm. totally on accident they come back into each other's lives and this book is so heartbreaking. Like, I... There were several moments where I was just, like, boo-hooing. Oh. So, I will say, like... I would I would recommend this book to a romance lover, but I would also say, like, proceed with caution because it deals with, like, a pretty heavy breakup. It deals with um, child loss. 
It deals oh, with parental yes. loss. All right. So that was just one book. That was one book. Okay. You want me to go on to my next book, or do you yeah, want to talk? Yeah, yeah. I thought you could uh, get 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 on with the uh, yours. Okay. So the second book that I read was the first book in a series that I will not be continuing. The book was called Tier One by Cindy Gunderson, and okay. this book takes place about a thousand years into the future. Maybe not quite that long, but I guess like maybe like five hundred years in the future. So, um, and basically, humanity has dissolved, has both evolved and, uh, and devolved. So it has devolved because like there was a virus, because of course who, like, wiped out humanity, and then the book also talks about conflicting political points of view and then people not getting vaccinated, and it is a little on the nose where that is concerned. So now this uh, genetics company has taken over everything. Like, this genetics company is the government. Uh, I remember you talking about this when you were visiting. Yeah. And so the main character, whose name is Kate, she's married to her husband, of 11 years uh, named Eric and they have two kids two boys one's 10 one's 8 and um, Eric has Eric is a is a scientist he works in a genetics lab and she is a healthcare worker Eric has discovered a genetic combination where it is possible to eradicate cancer right and in order to um and so basically the genetics company, which, you know, obviously cancer has been like the one thing that this genetics company has not been able to, I guess, for lack of a better word, breed out of the population. Yeah. So in order to begin doing that, um, they're kind of like the, the, the company is basically kind of forcing compat- compatible couples together. Hmm. Kate is one of the couple, or is one half of the couple, but her husband is not the other half. So, um, basically, Kate is conflicted about, you know, do I leave my partner for the betterment of humanity, or do I stay with my partner for the betterment of my family? Hmm. And, like, it's a good book. I'm just not interested in continuing. I get you. So, yeah. So, that was Tier One by Cindy Gunderson. Book three was Unhinged Desires, which is book one of the Sick Love Duet by Kylie Kent. And Mm -hmm. this book is about two rich Australian kids who get together. And it's a lot more complicated than that. But um, the boy is crazy. His name is Dominic. He's like crazy. And he meets a girl at his college named Lucy. Well, they're both like they both come from families that are billionaires and so they kind of run in the same social circles but they've never met right and dominic is super super crazy like he stalks her he has cameras like he breaks into her apartment and sets cameras up and all this stuff and lucy like realizes that something's not right but like she can't put her finger on it until he starts texting her because like you know she she's she's like 20 years old so she wants to like go out and flirt with guys and um, he's like, don't do that or I'll kill them. And the thing is, is he really means it. And, and anyway, they end up getting together. Okay. Spoiler alert. But there is a twist at the end because it is a duet. It does end on a cliffhanger. Okay. Okay. Books four through seven all come from the same series. But this series is different in that each book in the series is written by a different author. Interesting. So, the series is called The Monster's Ball. So, the four books that I've read in The Monster's Ball are How to Marry a Marble Marquise by C.M. Nacosta. I'm sorry, I've read eight books. I just didn't take a screenshot of the second one. Okay. Okay. Beguiled by the Beastly Baron. That's actually book three. Mm -hmm. Wanton for the Wolven King. Romancing the Monstrous Earl. Pull, and then I'll go ahead and talk about those, and then I'll pull up the, the name of the other one. Um, so these books take place in Regency, England. And I'm not going to lie. This is basically like this, like somebody came up, was like, hey, 
why don't we combine Bridgerton and monster romance novels? Okay. Like, they are folk, like, Queen Charlotte is a big character in the books, which she's a big character in the show. Um, yeah. There's a gossip rag, like Lady Whistledown, okay. except it's called the High Tea Society. And, like, even though each book is written by a different author, for the most part, it is fairly continuous. I just looked it up. Book The second book that I read is The Monstrous Duke and I. The only, okay. pl- the only part where it gets confusing is, like, some of the details. So, at, in the first book which is about a gargoyle and the woman he falls in love with, it's just kind of assumed that, like, monsters have always been there, okay? Okay. So it's, like, established, like, monsters have always been there and they are a part of society. Well, then in the second book, you meet, like, the main character in that one is someone who was born a human and then came down with what's called the Monstrum Plaga or the Monster Mm -hmm. Plague and then turned into a demon. And so, like, and I mean, each book, and then, you know, from that point on, like, it's very clear, uh, like, it tells you, like, okay, this person turned into this thing, or this person has always been this thing. Some of them are better than others. The first book that I read was, like, is the, has been the best one, which is the one about the gargoyle. Like, that one is, hands down, the best one. But the one I'm reading now, which is a gay romance set within this universe, because gay marriage is acceptable in this, in this you know, in this depiction of Regency England, the one that I'm reading right now looks like it's going to be my second favorite, but I'll report back on that the next episode. Okay. So, so far the monsters, because I'll just do those real quick. So, so far the monsters that I have read about are a gargoyle, a cold fire demon, the unseely king, a werewolf, but they never turn back into a human, so they're just called wolven. Okay. And a like and another demon but this one is has always been a demon and he's like kind of serpent like like a snake man yeah like a snake man okay so that's what i've read okay is that series ongoing or something you're gonna stick with yeah and um there's 11 books all right so six you know well i'm reading number i'm reading book six so five more to go after the i finish the one i'm reading right now okay that's uh all the books that have been finished in the last two weeks then so when we get back from a quick break we're going to be talking about what uh, books we're in the middle of welcome back to your words against mine we just got done talking about the books we were reading well we finished and uh which for elizabeth was eight and for me was nil and so uh i'm not going to have any word totals to talk about this week but uh, if you want to go ahead with yours uh, at the end of all of this than we can. Okay. But uh, with us being just over halfway through the year, I thought this would be a good opportunity at least to talk about the books I'm in the middle of reading, some of which I've been working on for a good long while. And these are all books, mostly books I'm looking to, I'm intending to finish uh, by year's end. One exception is a book I started recently. I mentioned before that for the reading challenge of... Uh, the Quit Your Band, that book mm-hmm. about the Japanese music scene, that I uh, signed up for a free or a temporary discounted trial of uh, Kindle Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Well, I recently recently canceled that uh, subscription mainly just because that was pretty much the only book I had been I had felt compelled to read since I got it, as opposed to just using like library apps and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, another book that I did try out while I was uh, subscribed for it was called The Har H-A-A-R by David Sodergren popped up in like a TikTok of uh, horror novels that somebody was recommending and it looked interesting it's basically like a story set in like the Scottish Highlands or on the coast of Scotland and it's main character is this like 70 or 80 year old widower who lives on her family's land all by herself and is holding out against some like land developers okay but uh in the midst of all this like some sea creatures start invading her community and supposedly like things get pretty like twisted from there i just couldn't get past the second chapter because i mean 
it's really just like the way it's written not mm-hmm. to say that it's written poorly but i think it's just sort of written in a way that's like you could easily imagine somebody writing it better okay if that's uh putting too fine a point on it uh it just didn't really do it for me so i felt i felt no compunction with like cutting my losses and uh canceling my subscription from that but uh yeah i've got plenty of other stuff that i'm still reading though and that i'm looking forward to finishing the foremost being uh, mrs dalloway the book i assigned for the challenge that we'll be talking about in the next episode Mm-hmm. I'm uh, about maybe 30-something percent of the way through. I've been reading it on the Serial app, and I'm about maybe a week behind. But uh, I should still have it done in time. I've been enjoying it, the language of it. It's my first Virginia Woolf novel, so I don't know how much it sort of speaks to her general style. Or if it was like sort of a departure or anything. But okay. it's just a novel I've heard a lot about over the years and something i felt compelled to check out but sticking with classic novels another tiktok video i saw was about some guy just talking about two novels he felt were overrated versus two novels he felt were underrated mm-hmm. and among the overrated novels was uh, uh john steinbeck's the grapes of wrath which he uh i don't know what it is but the way he talked about it ticked me off and i was like no way this book's as bad as you're making it out to be. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I I own a copy. I found it used, uh, the Penguin Deluxe Edition that they put out uh, a while back, and I've just never gotten around to reading it. But I went over, I stopped the TikTok, I went over to my shelf, I picked it up, and I started reading it. I'm about three chapters in, so that meant like 30 pages. Mm-hmm. It's a good chunky book, so I'm probably not going to be finishing it in time too soon. But uh, so far, I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, sticking it to that guy. Yeah, good, uh, good for you. Yeah. I have been reading The Priory of the Orange Tree. I've not nowhere near finished with it yet. I'm only about, I think, like 140 pages, 150 mm-hmm. maybe, which isn't even through the first part of the book. I think the first part is like 250. So, okay. Yeah, but I'm I'm getting into the plot now. I'm getting a sense of like the the arcs of each of the characters, how they intertwine and whatnot. So it's a very sprawling narrative, like between various countries and groups of characters with like intersecting arcs and destinies and what have you. So okay. it'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. I'm not sure if like the political element of the story, this being like a sort of a high fantasy like royal conspiracies so very much in the vein of like a game of thrones and what have you i don't mean to generalize when i compare books to that but it does seem like sort of the standard for historically detailed fictional worlds Mm -hmm. so that's where my mind went yeah i'll be sticking with it and you'll be hearing more about it i'm sure in the future especially if we each sort of commit to getting into it yeah um and then uh, likewise there's wolf hall which uh, I've read a bit more of, but still nowhere near finished with. Thomas Cromwell's still trying to get back in the good graces of the king. Maybe 160, 70 pages on that end. Okay. Those are two big books, but they are not nearly the biggest book I am reading currently. That one goes to uh, William Gaddis's The Recognitions, which I think is just under a thousand pages is a book I started reading the second week of the year and am presently, I think, about 200 or so pages through. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's if there's just like a point in a really long novel where I just get hung up around the 200-page mark, but it's not like for lack of enjoying the books themselves. It's just sort of like once I get that far into a book, uh, unless I'm really just like head down committed to finishing it, I usually want to start getting into some other books as well. And then those can usually take away from the time you would spend reading the longer one. Well, you know, it's been your strategy for the last, for I know this season and I'm pretty sure last season where like you start off the year reading pretty short books 
Yeah. So it might just be that you've like inadvertently trained your brain to be like done. I get that. After that much, like after you've read that much. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, it's something I want to work through though, because these are books that I'm enjoying reading, and I'd enjoy to, and I'd imagine I'd enjoy finishing them. So, I mean, I've read some pretty long books in the past uh, for this yeah. competition. So. Yeah, it's, it's not outside my grasp. Another book that has been on my uh, to-be-finished list for quite a while is Writing for Games, Theory and Practice by Hannah Nicklin. This was a book I picked up during that games writing course I was taking the first couple months of the year. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it, came, it was not required reading, but it was recommended. It was something that looked interesting uh, to pursue, so I picked it up and I got a good ways into it. And what held me up there is that there's a unit in the book that uh, draws on applied experience with a game. So it has mm -hmm. a couple of games that it uh, cites that you need to play a certain amount of before like pursuing the reading for that chapter. Mm -hmm. And there was this one game called Last Stop, which I got for Xbox, and it's kind of like a, uh, a multiple story thread adventure game. And the point in the game that the chapter covers is like midway through, as mm -hmm. opposed to some other games that it covers where you get a good sense of what the chapter is about from just playing like 20 or 30 minutes of them. Mm -hmm. This one necessitates like several hours, it seems, of playing these games. So okay. that's something I've just been needing to set aside time to get around to, because I don't want to go into the chapter like like blind to whatever it's wanting to talk about yeah uh and and presently my room is like kind of like a mess so like getting around to finishing that game let alone the book is uh not a high priority at the moment but i'll i'll make time yeah okay yeah and then there's a a, t a book called rook by stephen g i have no idea how to pronounce this last name it's like e-o-a-n-n-o-u it's a work of, uh, technically, it sounds like true crime, or like a novelization based on a true crime event. Mm-hmm. And it has to deal with a bank robber back in, like, the 1930s or thereabouts, 1920s. Like, you know, like, uh, public enemies times. Uh, this bank robber who's, like, the, the brains of the operation, and on the, at the start of the book, there's a robbery that goes south. And they get away, but uh, a security guard is killed, so now they know they're going to be on the run from the FBI. The guy's obviously keeping, like, leading a double life. He's got a wife and a kid, some step-parents who are, like, suspicious of him. And I haven't gotten that far because, I don't know, you just feel like if the intrigue for a story like this is not forthcoming then you can only sort of suppose about where it's going to kick in and then like you're able to psych yourself out of like whether or not it's even going to be worth it at that point mm -hmm. even though this is a, a book that i bought sort of committed to in good faith i don't know that if it's probably like of the books i'm currently reading the one i am most likely to just drop at some point okay but that's not shouldn't be taken as a criticism of the book or the its writing. It's I've enjoyed what of it I've read. It's just not really hooking me. Okay. Yeah, a few more to go. There's a pair of books about video games I've been working on. There's Console Wars by Blake J. Harris, which is a novelization of the rise of Sega of America in the early '90s and their um, uh, sort of corporate rivalry with Nintendo at the time. Mm-hmm. And then there is one I started just last week called Masters of Doom by David Kushner. It is a, a historical account of the development of the video game Doom, going back to the biographies of its two lead designers. That, on both of those, I'm uh, enjoying reading just for the subject matter alone. Uh, but okay. Although they're fairly well written. I think Console Wars is a bit more uh, contrived. Well, not contrived, but like, the narrative it's imposing feels a bit more like selling a screenplay 
kind of storytelling mm -hmm. where like you have characters with voices based on real people as opposed to masters of doom which feels more like a straightforward uh non-fiction research thing yeah. not that not to say that console wars is like making stuff up it's very much getting into like historical incident and what have you but it just uh feels a bit more uh heightened mm -hmm. yeah so yeah take that for what you will uh, i'm enjoying I'm, I'm enjoying both good then uh i'm reading some books about movies there's uh slow movies by uh, ira jaffe which is has the feel of like a doctoral thesis Mm -hmm. In that it uh, has a very loose subject based around, like, movies that are kind of, like, slowly paced and Deliberately quiet paced. and what have you. And, like, just ruminating on the themes and practices of movies like that. Mm -hmm. So it's very much, like, written in the vein of this topic, which uh, means that slow going to get it finished even though it's not even like 170 pages right although the the font is very tight so like it it's it's probably closer to like double that length if you were to format it to more conventional yeah. uh, dimensions and uh another book on movies i'm reading is from the 1960s it is a collection of uh the film criticism of critic pauline kale called going steady I don't know. I'm kind of not sure what to make of Pauline Kael because she's an immensely influential film writer from that yeah. time. At the same time, just her general outlook, especially from this point in her career, it's like the late 60s. So mm -hmm. she's referencing a lot of Italian and French filmmakers that she's sort of over the moon about. And supposedly she had quite a lot to say about like the new Hollywood movement of the 1970s. As far as um, the writing in this book is concerned, it's basically just her ragging on a lot of like Hollywood and American commercial filmmaking, which is mm -hmm. understandable. But it's you're not really. I don't feel like I'm getting into like any deep sense of understanding beyond her just her own feelings about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if Pauline Kael's just one of those kinds of writers I'm ever gonna vibe with, or if it's more like. Yeah, if I have to treat it more like a historical document, like a less a work in and of itself and more just like a indication of what writing was like at the time or what film discourse was like at the time. Mm hmm So I'm I'm still getting through it. It's very readable, so it's not like a struggle to get through. It's just not really sticking with me all that much. Okay. And uh let's see, I think the last couple books to touch on I've, i think i've got like 13 here in my currently reading uh list on goodreads uh there's mm -hmm. the uh trade paperback of the comic series the nice house on the lake by james tinian the fourth it is i think an imprint of dc and there's like a vague allusion to superman at one point but so far there's not really like a presence of superheroes in the comics it's more just grounded or not grounded but like elevated horror story like vaguely sci-fi okay basically it's about this group of nine uh, like 11 friends and acquaintances from like high school and college who are all getting together during the pandemic to uh, like uh, spend a week at this lakeside mansion in the mountains mm -hmm. and they're all invited there by their like reclusive sort of wealthy friend named Walter. The first night there, uh, the world ends. Oh. Like they start going on the internet and getting, like, news footage and uh, social media uploads of, like, cities in flames, people's bodies melting into these, like, weird amorphous blobs. Oh, gosh. And see seemingly what the has happened is that Walter is a member of an alien race that has decided that humanity needs to die. And oh, so God. they've imposed this uh, virus on the world that's like sort of tearing apart society. This group of friends who are staying at this lake house are like set aside to be the last remaining surviving vestiges of humanity. 
Uh -huh. And so it's just them coping with this dawning realization that the world has come to an end and that they're in all likelihood the last surviving members of the human race. Dang. And uh, there's still like plenty of mysteries afoot as to the nature of what Walter is, what this place that he's set aside for them is uh, designed to be. So it's a very compelling series. Uh, I've read the first half of this volume, and it's, I think, like like a 12-issue series. So after this first trade, there's a second one, and then that's like the whole set. Okay. So I'll keep working at it, and I might look to go to the end of it. It's I'm not that much of an American comics reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, we it's weirder for me to engage with it than stuff like manga, which I can just, like, put away at a fairly steady clip you know i have a theory about that what's that like i feel like with american comics because i i am very intimidated by american comics um like in terms like the way that we think about comics like like the traditional marvel dc kind of comic books yeah and i think it's just because almost in one sense there's almost like no definitive beginning or the comics where it is a definitive, there is a definitive beginning are kind of hard to access. Okay. Whereas with like manga or with some, some different, like some other kind or comics that lend themselves better to more like the graphic novel format, um, yeah. like the walking dead. Okay. Like, like you can go to a Barnes and Noble and you can find volume one. Right. Like it's it's up. easy like it's easy to know this is volume one. This is where you're supposed to start. But like with uh like with the Marvel and D C kind of universes, this like well there's this storyline and there's this storyline and oh this one takes place in this universe and it's just hard to know where to start. And so if you're coming to that stuff, you know, if you're if you don't have a guide into it, like a parent or someone who can like kind of show you how to get into that, um, or Mike can show you a way to get into it without having to start from the beginning. It's hard to know where to start. And then also in my personal experience, if you try to ask people like, hey, where's a good place to start? It's almost like you're like considered to be like a poser or like you, they are in, like you are inferior to them. So sometimes when you try to ask the questions, the people who have access to that information are not willing to give it up to help you. That's just my uh, theory. Yeah, I think that's sound. Um, for me, I find a more, I have a more uh, formalistic conception of it because I feel like with American comics, if you're reading like a trade of weekly comics and what have you, mm -hmm. or if you're engaging more with like the Marvel, DC, style of comic or really any sort of regular comic series a lot of these are books that um, are being released on a monthly basis mm -hmm. whereas the vast majority of manga are produced weekly bi-weekly or monthly depending on the publication or the uh, schedules that various artists have with their publishers a lot of ser like for instance i talked about reading one piece uh, last week uh, that series has been going more or less continuously every week for the past 25 years yeah there are over a thousand individual chapters that this guy has been writing that entire time with like very minimal breaks i think like maybe he takes one week off a year and there have been like you can count on your one hand the times he's had to take more time off than that due to like illness or like whatever yeah yeah. So the people making manga and the manga industry in general, I think is just much more dense and much more adaptive. So mm -hmm. if you want to think of it, I've got the idea of thinking of it in terms of like evolutionary biology, where like these scientists will talk about like generations of moth and like traits that are passed along for like dozens and dozens of generations of moths or bacteria and what have you. If you think about that in terms of comics, with a comic book artist or writer or reader or what have you, you're getting these stories on a monthly basis, and you might be reading like 
enough different series that you're getting something new every week, but it's mm -hmm. on a much smaller scale than, say, if you're reading multiple manga series on a week-to-week -week basis, and a lot of series, like, running for years at a time at an equivalent rate for a Western series. So you're just mm -hmm. seeing a much higher rate of adaptation uh, right. in the manga ecosystem. Okay. And so that has potentially allowed manga to adapt in ways that Western comics haven't. Uh, okay. That makes it more, arguably, more, like, consumable, or the ways it gets its story and ideas across are more engaging in various mm -hmm. ways. Not to, like, cast blank. That This is a highly generalized assertion I'm putting forward, but that's just sort of what leapt to my mind when I was thinking about it. Okay. So there was uh, the house by the the house on the nice house on the lake was the book I was talking about. The last book I can mention is an anthology of three connect, uh, interconnected novels by the author Agota Kristoff. Mm -hmm. It is the Notebook, the Proof, and the Third Lie. These are a trilogy of novels set during and in the fallout of what is sort of alluded to be like one of the world wars and it takes place in this uh, Eastern European village where a woman like leaves her two twin sons to live with their grandmother in order to avoid like the horrors of the war taking place out in the city where they're from mm -hmm. and the twins are very much like weird psychological thriller Eastern European style twins like they have a weird way of communicating with each other they view the world in very abstract and utilitarian terms their uh, interactions with other people are strained there's like a bunch of like psychosexual stuff going on mm -hmm. and so the first book is them as children growing up into like young adulthood and then the second book by the end of the first book the two brothers have gone their separate ways and then the second book is following one of the brothers through his life without the other one and uh, I can only presume that the third book will check in on what the other brother's doing but uh, the whole thing is a volume of about like 400 and something pages I'm about 200 and something pages in okay. so yeah so this is one I'm definitely looking to finish uh, I think it's like pretty well written the like the psychology of the characters is conveyed intriguingly enough that it carries you along even mm -hmm. when like the action's fairly muted been looking to get that one done and that that covers the whole of it okay so a lot of these books are books you can uh expect to see me like cashing in for words in the weeks to come yeah some of them are probably books i'll be working on for like almost through to the end of the year like i know it took me pretty much the whole of uh, 2021 or thereabouts to finish Anna Karenina. Mm -hmm. Definitely going to be a process, but uh, that's where I am now. Okay. So uh, you got your word totals together? Yes, I do. Alrighty. I had to make some alterations because I forgot to include that one book that I had to... Anyway, um, so I read eight books, not seven. You're right. I read eight books for a subtotal um, of 639,654 words, which brings my year-to-date total to 3,811,176 words, which puts me at 37.9% of the way through my 2021 word total. Okay. And uh, last I checked, I was still at uh, maybe just over 2 million words. Which mm -hmm. I believe put me at like 63% of my uh, 2021 word total. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I am and I hope to move the needle further along uh, by next episode's time. Okay. Uh, did you have um, any books? Yeah. I was getting, actually, and I realize that's a stupid question to ask because you didn't finish any books for this episode. Uh, but no, I don't have any books for my bingo card and... I know I said I was going to do it at the end of last episode, but I really need to do it, like, 
when when we after we wrap this up, I need to get like the categories I still need to complete for my bingo card so that I can well, plan. You better. want me to read them off for you? Sure. You still might need to give me a written copy because if you just tell me, I'll forget. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, uh, the books you have yet to read are a National Book Award winner, a novella, essay collection, book from non-English speaking Europe graphic novel, mystery, Pulitzer Prize winner, 500 plus pages, book published before 1950, fantasy, Booker Prize winner, book from Asia, and book from Africa. Okay. Um, since we're talking about it, I'll go ahead and read yours too. Okay. Uh, so you need... And this is in no particular order. This is just random. Right. You need fantasy, book published in 2023, young adult, book written by LGBTQAI author, book from Africa, Booker Prize winner, novella, book published pre-1950, historical fiction, sci-fi, Biography, book from South America, National Book Award winner, and 500 pages. Uh, I'm going to have to push back. I've actually got The Flowers of Buffoonery down for my novella. The Flowers of Buffoonery? Yes. Oh. I don't have that. Okay. Well, I, okay, uh... but, I can, but I can add it to your card. Okay. Okay. Um, so, even... With adding that, actually, there are two times that you are one away from getting a bingo. Nice. Uh, I'll keep working at it then, and maybe next week we can snag one of those. Yeah. All right, and you, um, on yours, have, uh, yeah, I think you're still, like, two books away from your next bingo. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. All right. Sorry, we gotta, can we wrap this up in, uh like five minutes because i just got a restart device warning okay yeah well let's uh let's close it out oh wait okay. yeah you've got to give us our next book challenge okay so very quickly our next book challenge um um gotta go fast gotta go fast wait, um are you just thinking of it now no i well i have two choices um okay. do you want to read something from non-english speaking europe or do you want to read something else well, I've already read mine for non-English speaking Europe, so let's go with the oh, other one. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that means that we are going to read Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay. Okay, I've already read that one, so let's go with the non-English speaking Europe. Okay, then we're going to read Let the Right One In. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Um, so you can find us on our social media accounts at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com and you can find us, uh, you can email us at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. All right, episode's over. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>